Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new episode of Real World Education Podcast. Our mission here is to challenge and change the education system using an inside-out approach, and we hope that you become a better leader and a producer rather than just a student or an employee. Our aim here is to interview industry experts and leaders each week with the hope that you can come to the realization that life is so much more than what is being currently taught to us by the society and the education system and we hope that this podcast provides you with inspiration with motivation and actionable insights so that you too can not only challenge and change the status quo but also create your own definition of success uh, one thing i want to mention is with the ex- uh, excitement and everything i think i'd lost this question before and the question is about you know your experience in gaming <laughs> industry and uh, you know do uh, there was a sort of a report by tech jury and it sort of stated that the global gaming market will be worth uh, almost 257 billion by 2025 and will grow at a cagr or compound annual growth rate of uh, 9.17% now i mean these numbers are quite astounding exciting so i read somewhere and they said that pro gamers are training as hard as pro athletes which is true because you know the stakes are increasing right uh, so what would your advice be given your experience yeah. in the video gaming industry to students and young professionals that would allow them to sort of capitalize on this opportunity if they wish to to be in, in like the, professional the, gaming in or to be in the things. in the industry of gaming well it's an exciting industry and and to be honest i have you know i that was early in my in my career so i was in the mm-hmm. i was in the video game industry in the late 90s right so it, at the time and it was growing a lot then but it had just overtaken hollywood in terms of mm-hmm. annual revenue but it was like 6 billion 6 billion or 7 billion a year it's yeah. gone up whatever that is 200 fold or 300 fold i mean just it's insane and so um for people interested what's so great about yeah. it is it's cutting edge technology all the time like they're they're on the edge in terms of graphic cards in terms of i mean they'll they'll be all the leaders pushing vr pushing like it's just it's a fun industry because they're mm-hmm. always right on they're right on the cutting edge um it's super creative it's becoming more and more realistic yeah. like some of the games you literally like it's like holy cow like that is so realistic and so you can start to see how the applications of gaming mm-hmm. in the rest of the world are going to start to merge even more um because of the technology that's coming out of the gaming world like they're getting such lifelike experiences that you can easily see how that could translate to a VR experience and so um so what would my advice be for people who want to get i mean i think if you're interested in the industry it's a growing industry for a while so it's one of those industries first of all that you know there's going to be a lot of opportunity So that's exciting, right? Be, um gaming companies are one of those where you can literally like set up shop and and overnight they can, you know, they can just have a lot of yep. investment. There there's just there's a lot of excitement in the industry, a lot of talent. Um so I think that's also, you know, growing up yep. there was this big negative stigma on video games. I think it's certainly still somewhat, but I think people are more have a better understanding that yes there there's a fringe part that yes it can be you know you can be 
it can be too much. Like there can be, there's, there's that. But for most yeah. of us, most of us have some games on our phone. Most of us realize whether they're light games or a simple one, or you're in a deep multi, uh, you know, multi-level online world. Uh, it plays a role in our life and it's, it, it's mm-hmm. a great creative outlet for a lot of people. Um, it's a great community builder. I mean, again, with the lockdown, I think all the gaming companies are seeing a huge yeah. uptick in, in how people connect online uh, mm-hmm. via that. And so there's a lot of good there. Um, there's a lot of good there. And I would just encourage people, if you're interested in it, again, it's a wonderful industry. When I was, when I was a kid, again, that was, I, didn't, I was in a, from a small town in the middle of the country. Yeah. I didn't realize that was even a thing, like that you could work in that industry. Uh, now it's something that I think is very open to anyone who uh, really has a, an interest. Um, there's a lot of opportunity. So I would highly encourage, you know, pursuing it, talk to people, uh, get internships, get involved in the industry and see if you yeah, like I it. Mean, but it's, there's uh, a lot of opportunity. You know why I'm really excited about the gaming industry in general is because I've seen, and uh, there's a trend, say in India, the most valued company teaches through gamification. So when you uh, sort of combine, uh, you know, the gaming industry with the education industry, you get a whole another thing. And that's the thing, because games, you know, they're highly engaging. As a kid, you know, that's all, that's what you need. You need to tap into their engagement side of things. And, you know, you need to get keep them, you know, sit down for like an hour or so, so they can take in the uh, lessons they need to. Yeah, we, I mean, we use gamification has been a foundational part of our, of our platform for, you know, the last decade. And it's for that exact same reason. Everyone's really busy. And so if you want to grow or change in a certain way, like that, that takes work, but to add one more thing to your already like overwhelming Mm -hmm. list of to do's, that's not fun. But if we can trick the brain into for this part of the day, I'm just playing this game. I'm just over here. So elements of a game being applied to real Mm -hmm. world activities like education, all of a sudden it changes the context. I always use the example, and I think parents have known this for thousands of years. I have a five-year-old, um, and yeah. again, as his parent, I can make him clean his room, right? I'm bigger than he is. I can, mm-hmm. I can make him do that, but that's one experience, and he's not often very happy about that. But if I tell him there's a little boy in Oklahoma who holds the world record for the fastest amount of time to clean up his room. And I say, it's four minutes and 32 seconds. There's not a kid on the planet that's ever going to come close. But if you want to give it a try, I don't think you can do it. But if you want to give it a try, I'll get my stopwatch. He's like, get the stopwatch. Let's go. And now he does the same thing, but from a totally different framework. And he enjoys the process and we get the same Mm -hmm. action done. Now, adults were not that different. So if we can use gamification, you're you're exactly right. In the gaming industry, they have studied billions of points of data to see what it is about a game and what it does to our brain to keep us engaged, to keep us playing. So if we can use, they found that there's seven elements of a game that are super engaging to our brain. And when we can add those elements to anything we're doing, we all of a sudden immediately become more engaged in that activity. So that's no surprise that the most valuable company in India is merging two things that are super important, education, and then making that fun tricking the brain into enjoying that process yeah uh, that's a very uh, powerful so, combination you know, another thing is um during the sort of the 2007-8 uh, financial crisis the bankers sort of blamed uh, you know the teachers the immigrants and the low-income individuals now similarly in the workforce of today 
and this is and we sort of discussed this earlier as well there's a report by Gallup and they say that 80, 85% of adults worldwide are not engaged or are actively disengaged and more often than not the blame sort of falls on millennials right people sort of label them as lazy spoiled always mm-hmm. wanting constant praise and sort of transient in nature uh but i think what people or you know leaders sort of need to realize is that uh you know millennials uh and this is in one of your articles as well they are the present and they are the future right and according to sort of forbes uh, you know they will make up to 75% of the workforce by 2025 so my question is uh, what should organizations do yeah. in order to uh, ensure that sort of millennials and even gen z are performing at their fullest potential and if the organizations fail to take the necessary steps what advice do you offer mill- millennials Yeah, well, millennials are a powerful group and I'm super excited because they're the first, you know, yeah. they're they're making values a priority. Each generation has their priorities and each one's different, so it becomes very easy for the boomers to not like Gen X for, you know, because they're different and for Gen X not to like uh the millennials because they're different. And you know, difference it's just like, well, they're not like me, they don't have the same priorities and so therefore that mm-hmm. they're not as good or they're 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 a problem. Every generation complains about the next generation. like that's so that's not unique to millennials but millennials what they're doing which is so powerful is they're bringing values they're putting certain holistic life values as as a group as more important than traditional business values and what i mean by that is um a millennial in general wants to be more wants to be fulfilled that's more important mm-hmm. to them than making money yeah. that's never been the case in corporate america all you had to do was offer more money and then people were loyal to the job well now a That's whole generation right. is saying i'd rather make less mm-hmm. money but i want to feel like what i'm doing makes a difference well all of a sudden like you know you watch the people who are in charge are like well wait a second like and then they start blaming them well they're you know they're transient or they're not this or that and certainly there is mm-hmm. there's a you know there's some of both sides but the organizations that are going to succeed I mean it's inevitable like this is the present mm-hmm. and the future that's that's the fact but the ones that are going to are going to really um accelerate their success are going to see the benefits that millennials are uh-huh. bringing in because it's stuff that we all want if we were actually taking a if we were actually all take a step back and say what's what's most important to me is it another little uh-huh. bonus uh or a title change or is it really mm-hmm. is it really being appreciated for the work I do it's always the appreciation i mean at our core is is what's most important to me to make more money or to be a part of something that could mm-hmm. really benefit the world and Positive make a positive impact. impact it's always the positive sure. impact if we actually think about it for a moment the millennials are just saying that's more important to me right now and i'm not waiting and that's important because if we get in alignment with what the millennials are asking for we're going to see a huge shift not only in our success mm-hmm. as a business but in our planets like in the world we're going to start to have more consciousness more social consciousness from our corporate from our corporate space and that's mandatory we have to start caring not as a silo but as a community that business affects our community affects the world and we have to and and the millennials thankfully are saying like i'm not going to buy i'm Same not thing. buying from you if you True. don't stand for something that i believe in and so i i think that both as consumers and as employees they're making us look at what is actually most important holistically for all of us 
Uh, and that's going to be a challenge for people who are, you know, from a, a different era and have a different set of have grown up and default to a different set of priorities. But when they think about it, I think the ones that are like, wait a second, this actually, I actually agree mm. in a lot of ways with this way of being, then it's going to be a, it's going to be a much smoother transition and a much, a, a very huge accelerant to not only bottom line success, but more of a, mm -hmm. I mean, just sure. a global impact, I just, just a more positive global That's the reason impact. I was, yeah. bit, you know, smiling a bit is, uh, say, the generations yeah. before millennials, they were taught to, because, uh, you know, the opportunities were less at that time. And, they, you know, they were taught to sort of uh, make money their priority. Now, the thing is, because the parents have money, uh, money is not as important as values. And that's a sort of a factor somewhere. The issue, the insight that I had is the education yeah. system. Everyone's like, you're probably hating on education. I'm not. Education system is, you know, it's very important. Education is very important. But the point is, and we discussed this, that it doesn't teach you who you are, the values and all that. So as a result, you know, they're not able to identify clearly what they really want. And as a result of that, you know, they keep jumping from jobs to jobs and then they get labeled as, you know, being transient in nature. But that's not the case. So if you sort of zoom out a bit, you'll see the underlying, a lot of things can be solved by, you know, providing the proper framework into realizing who you really are and what you value. And if they know, I mean, if I know that if I value creativity, you know, I'll go and work for Adobe instead of working for, say, a bank, you know, but most people don't know. Most people don't know. Yeah. It's so true. And I think you're in both ways. I think, first of all, if, if uh, more millennials knew who they were and what they were looking for, and more companies were living according to the values that they say they stood for, mm -hmm. then we'd see more millennials staying longer right away. Like, this fits with who I am. I know who I am. I really like this. And then they would, they would stay longer. Um, I think the other part of it is, is that millennials are more mm -hmm. comfortable in a growth mindset. Like, I just want more experiences. Well, that's something we could encourage. And big companies are starting to do things where you can jump around inside the company. And it, and it provides a much more holistic point of view for management, right? If, if leaders come out of these millennials because, and the millennials have worked in six different departments over the, next, over the, over the last five years, well, that, that makes a much better leader than, than a person that's only been in one thing and come, trying to come up and then doesn't really have the perspective from all the other divisions. So even if, if we're just looking at millennials are just, that's the way that some of them are, they're going to want more opportunities, make those opportunities available as learning environment, as a learning tool that is going to ultimately make your leadership, mm -hmm. your, your future leadership more well-rounded. And it doesn't have, I mean, so I think both directions, one, they might stay longer because they're more in touch with who they are and you're more in alignment with, with uh, the values that you say you stand for and also creating more opportunities for people to mm -hmm. learn and try and figure out who they are with you. Um, True. They'll, and you can they, always they use gamification really to teach them. It's, it's mm -hmm. done correctly. Like it gets thrown out there a lot. And, and sometimes I get a little frustrated because people say it's gamified and it's like, oh, that's still boring or that's, that's not really it. But done correctly, it can really be a beautiful True. way of, of making and, uh, any you know, process more fun. I'd love to fun. see um, an app. Let's say you're trying to learn five different habits over the next year, meditation, reading, uh, public speaking, and so on. If there was one app that can sort of walk you through these and through the gamification of everything, that, that would be really good.
Well, I'll tell you one place to start uh, as a shameless self plug is we just had um, mm -hmm. an app called Enjoy Daily that we just released. Enjoy Daily, I-N-J-O-Y Daily. And it's based on the latest in positive psychology and neuroscience to build the, the muscles of a soul. So if we first get clear that we are able to create our own happiness, we're able to be grateful for the life we have. So, so we work on those kind of, we have challenges every 30 days. There's a focus, happiness, gratitude, um, our superpowers, getting to know our strengths, um, kindness, those kind of things. When we do that, and it's a game, there's a little bit of inspiration, a big community playing, you start to, we start to realize like, well, I feel good. And from a positive state of mind, we are really our best selves. That's, that's being shown over and over. If, when you, if we can get people into a positive state of mind, they're more creative, they learn faster, they're more open to, to, new, uh, to new experiences, to new people, new ideas. And mm -hmm. so we're trying to go to the most foundational part because then when you go to learn uh, public speaking, yep. you're already like excited about the experience. And mm -hmm. then you can just bring in, you can bring in a new skill because you're in the best frame of mind possible to absorb that new information or to, or to learn the new skill. So I, I would highly recommend, again, getting people, you know, get clear that you can create your own happiness, your own, um, you know, just that you're at cause for being a, mm -hmm. a, a beneficial presence on the planet. You're able to be, create kindness. You know your strengths. You're, you're grateful for your life the way it is, even if you want to change certain things that you can experience gratitude now. Those are muscles. And ultimately in our life, our quality of life, like we want most mm -hmm. things because of a feeling that we think we're going to mm -hmm. get. If we can create the feeling first, then life is like, life is really that joy that we knew as a child. It's something that no matter what it is we want, it's like, oh, that could be, that's going to be exciting. Even yeah. if I don't know how to do it, it's just exciting to learn. And, and that's what I heard you yeah. say when you were doing the, you know, the LinkedIn challenge, it's like, you got into this, like, I'm going to learn this. Uh, and I'm just going to go for it. And that, that's a mm -hmm. great orientation yeah, for my, all of us to have So forever. that's the whole benefit of gamification. It just changes your frame of, uh, frame of mind rather than, you know, you thinking that, you know, say public speaking is a chore and you, you start getting excited about it. And that's all the difference that, you know, you need to make a lasting change. I took a stand-up comedy class, which mm -hmm. scared was the biggest, my biggest fear. Um, and the teacher, the teacher was a brilliant because he made a game. He's like, so all we're doing for the first couple of weeks, we're just going to talk. You just, uh, we're just going to talk. You're just going to get familiar being up there. So there was a game like who could have, you know, and it was whatever it was, can, who can talk about something in their childhood? Who can talk about, uh, you know, uh, the weirdest food? It was just topics. Mm -hmm. And we would just all get comfortable talking in front of a group. And that was, and then it was like, tell a little story about that, you know, like, and he just made this, like this little game instead of be funny, it was this little bit of incremental growth. And that's, I think the other part is make it a game, but also break it down into small bite-sized pieces. So you're not having to be all the way at the end right away. You just, it is a journey to become a good public speaker, to become a writer, to write a book. It's a big, pro those are all big projects. So breaking it down into little steps mm. and enjoying the process and celebrating the wins, those, that, that's a huge part of, of the joy and gamification and celebrating wins and some of the other exercises that positive psychology are showing us um, help us create a positive state of mind. Those are crucial mm -hmm. to enjoy learning, right? Those two things done together. And that's how we build our platform 
um, for any, Absolutely. you know, you know for the any point about breaking it down for. is so true. Cause if you don't, and you look at the bigger picture from the day one, say, I'll take an example. I started this podcast. I've done five, six episodes now, six, this is my sixth episode, right? Now, if I want to, if the goal or if the only focus is, okay, I want to be like, you know, the biggest podcasters in the world have hundred thousand followers. I'm, get, I'm I'm being honest here. I, I get like 30 listens per episode right now after like five, six episodes. So if my, you know, objective yeah. is to get, the only focus is to get set to hundred thousand uh, downloads. How long will I last? You know, I'll last maybe six months because that took people three years. And if your goal is to get that in like three months, you're going to give up. So breaking it down, you know, sort of keeps it in, interesting, exciting, and it keeps you on the right trajectory. That's exactly, that's a great example. I, I had a chance to interview Mark Metry. Um, and are you connected to him? So he's okay. Right. Yeah. So he's a genius. Um, and just super young and has accomplished so much. But one of the things that he said in a post was why he started his podcast was he wanted mm-hmm. to learn from the greatest minds on the planet. And I think like exactly. that, then it didn't matter how many people were listening. Cause he got a chance to talk to people that he mm-hmm. was super inspired by. And that was its own reward. The fact that he's now one of the top podcasts and he's, you know, he's he happens to be amazing at it. That's like a byproduct. Um, yeah. That's all bonus. Mm-hmm. But the fact that's a byproduct, but the essence of why he wanted to do it was for him and the joy it was going to give him, the growth it was going to give him. And uh, it just happens that millions of other people also, uh, you true, know, true, true. learn and grow by and the way he does I that. I think we're, you know, almost at the time. So a couple of things, and this, this is a bit long, so just bear with me. You know, we spoke about this sort of before the interview and during the interview that, uh, you know, I, I was writing my journal and I came to the realization that schools and universities are, you know, individual organizations. Um, so let us sort of, you know, use an anal- uh, analogy where the principal and the board members are like C-suite and like leadership, if you will. The teachers are the employees and the students are the customers and the most important stakeholders in the entire system. Now, my personal issue is that if we yeah. sort of analyze their culture within sort of these organizations, we find that the culture is kind of, I don't want to say it, but it's kind of screwed, right? Because the students, you know, who is the most important uh, sort of stakeholder in the entire system is not being served well. Now, there are a couple of things. Uh, there was a, a report I was just reading. I forgot to mention it in my script, but it said that only uh, 20% of eighth graders say they're almost happy. They're almost happy at school. Uh, they're always happy at school, uh, only 20%. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another uh, study by NCERT, which is a board in India. It states that uh, only 20% children were happy in their lives. And the reason why was homework, examination, stress, and teachers and everything. So, you know, there are a couple of things wrong with the system. And this is what my personal observation was that uh, say as an organization, can you imagine if you were punishing your customers? So the failure is punished, right? Which is a big thing. Uh, then there's a lack of collapse. So in uh, India, we have say science, we have commerce and humanities. I think that's the same thing in US as well. So is there any collaboration between yeah, them? Much. Like, do they ever do, say, a science uh, science major working with a humanities major? And uh, that's, you know, that never happens. There's no collaboration. Hmm. And then I think it's the only yeah. 
organization yeah. that lets the most important stakeholder compete with itself. And you know, that's how they work. That's how they grade first, second, third, and that's mm-hmm. always the objective. So, and there's so many other examples if you think about them. So, you know, you mentioned that you've been working a lot with uh, schools recently. So how can we reach the, you know, the utopian future where we can change the organization culture in schools and universities around the world? That's a, that's a big question. Um, I, I don't, yeah. So I think you're, you're hitting on a lot of things that we all know kind of intuitively, like our educational system is extraordinarily outdated. It just is. And the, the things that it was designed for are hundred years old. And I saw this amazing meme of, you, you yeah. know, like a, a car, one of the original cars and then a car in the 1960s and then, and then a Tesla today. And, and it's just dramatically different. And then it showed the first phone, the first telephone. And then it showed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a home and a phone in the house. And then it showed uh, an iPhone and all of the, and you see like, holy cow, things are, and then it showed a yeah. classroom from 110 Absolutely years ago yeah. and a classroom today, and they're exactly the same, exactly the same. So I think first we need to understand that the reason we designed school 150 years ago or whenever that kind of became mainstream uh, the reason for school today should be much different. It should have been evolving. It should have been, you know, like that's just, we have to come from that place that there's a need Mm -hmm. to evolve like anything else. Like we have different needs as a society now than we did then. And school should serve children, um, and society in the way that's Mm -hmm. most relevant for that time period. And it's certainly not doing that in mass. Now there are exceptions to that, and, um, and a lot of them also come from a long time ago. Uh, so for example, we, we have a, a five-year-old, as I mentioned, and we're using, we're doing a, a dip, we're in a different structure. We're in a, a Waldorf, uh, school structure, which is more play-based. Um, it's a hundred years old as well from, uh, someone in uh, Steiner, someone in Germany created this, but it was very much about, um, you know, kindergarten mm-hmm. is about, uh, is like a garden of children. Like it's, it's your growing kids. And when you think about that, like mm-hmm. how kids learn and how kids it's playing, like they learn from playing. And so it's just this guided play. It's beautiful. And you're, but from an outside perspective, it's like, well, why aren't they learning math? Why aren't they sitting there and learning how to read the way that I learned how to read? Well, it's pretty amazing, but they learn through stories and they learn through song and these kids are happy and you watch it. And it's just amazing because we all think, I think we all have that. It's like, oh, there was that light in me. Like, that's what we love about kids. It's like, look how excited they are. Look how much energy they have. Look how eager they are to do new things. And where is that in me? Yeah. Well, it's the fact that it was taught out of us. And so if we can cultivate that, I think getting mm-hmm. back into what education is meant for, you know, the, mm-hmm. the word is to bring out from within. I think Latin or whatever, like it means to bring out from within, not to put stuff from outside in to bring out from within. And yet we just keep filling up. Here's more facts. Here's more facts. With Google, we don't need yeah. more facts. We don't need to know facts. We all have every single bit of information available to us at all times. What we need is to know who we are. We need to know what how we want to use our energy to contribute to the world. When we start to look at those big like those are the meta, like that's the meta conversation around education. Then there's a lot of great minds that could really go mm-hmm. around, could could go about pretty quickly, I think reevaluating the structure to cultivate what would best serve both mm-hmm. the children and society today. And, and, you know, looking at how everything else has evolved, it's like, we don't need the same things. Um, we have this taken care of by this. So what is it that we do need? And I think it's also pretty obvious what we need. 
just by the statistics that are uh, so unfortunate of anxiety and depression and, and teen suicide and all those things. Yeah. That's not right. Like, let's get that to zero um, because we're really cultivating well-grounded, safe, like safe environments, kids that are, that know themselves and feel loved and supported as they're growing. And then, you know, giving them space to be themselves. So there's a whole bunch that could be happening, but I think we need to start from the fact that the system itself was designed for a different result. Anymore. And it's yeah. a result we don't necessarily want to need right true. now. And uh, so Finally, I just want to ask you one thing is that if there's one piece of advice that you'd like to impart on the listeners, what would it be? Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about getting to know yourself. And I think you mentioned you're on a path, you do journaling and meditation, and now you're doing podcasts and you're talking to people, you're on a, you've done a challenge for yourself. Like you're, you're in it in a lot of different ways. My suggestion for everyone is, you know, what we all want is, is to be happy. We all want to feel good about each day and about our lives. And the way we do that is by getting in touch with what's important for us. So I just would invite everyone to spend a little bit of time and get into a daily practice of checking in, whether it's meditation or journaling or going for a walk in nature or exercising. It doesn't really matter what you do, but make it intentional that while you're doing that, check in. Is this feeling good for you? Are you doing it because you want to exercise or are you doing it because you hope that mm -hmm. other people are acknowledging how good you look? Um, are you journaling because you read in a book that journaling was good for you? Or are you, are you realizing that when you journal, you're starting to get some insights and making connections and things, and that's just joyful for you. And so finding one way, meditation was something I struggled with for years. And I finally got one person who is guided meditation makes, I just, I really resonate with it. And now I look forward to doing it because it feels good every day. Um, and so mm -hmm. I'm not going to meditate unless it feels good long-term. I can do it for a week. And I think all of us need to realize there is, we're going towards things that make us feel good. So get good habits in your life and start with one, start with one thing that you know feels good and is good for you today and start putting that into your calendar, uh, so that you have a little ritual every day of something that makes you feel good. And it's something that's helping you get to know yourself and ultimately grow and ultimately start to see a, you know, a new and better version of yourself that's wonderful from time advice. to time. Uh, well, no, I mean, <laughs> Long answer, you know, man. to I'm get sorry to the that. nuance, you have to give some sort of context. And that's, I think that's what you've done. So, you know, once again, thank you yeah. so much for coming on to the show. And I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. Thank you, Raj. Hi there, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real World Education Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to support us. If you think that this can help your loved ones, please don't be shy and just share it with them as word of mouth is another great way to support us. Follow me on LinkedIn by simply searching for my name, Rajdeep Singh. I'm doing a 52-week challenge where I'm going to be posting a new video each week. You can also follow me on Instagram at rajdeep.1997 or on Spotify by searching for my name. Until next time, this is your host, Rajdeep Singh, signing off.